and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. My name is Ben Hansen. I'm joined by Surreal Vasquez. Hello. The once and future king. And we also have Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Welcome. What a treat. Thank you for being here. Yeah. So glad. So glad to see so you. Glad <laughs> we're to talk also... about video games. <laughs> what a privilege. Also, we're joined by the great Kyle Hilliard. Oh, the the great. That's I mean, not, that's not true. Do you feel great? <laughs> no, I feel like behind the scenes, I've delayed this podcast and then I backed out. Kyle, you can't half, reveal so what I'm happens behind the curtain. That's for people. Today. That's for people the backstage past here to worry about. I mean, for the you're main teasing show. the backstage past here for people. You, you're not going to get this content unless you uh, subscribe. That's true. There we go, that $10 tier. Anyways, the point is, we're here to talk about... There's a fly in here, sorry. <laughs> they're they're going to be a special guest here for this podcast. Is this episode cursed, everybody? I'm asking yeah, this is the cursed episode. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Well, let's find out how it is, cursed it, it is. It is Wednesday the 18th, so... Anyways, we're going to be talking about Pokemon games. We're going to be talking about Road 96, some other games people have been playing, Axiom Verge 2, uh, a little bit about Back for Blood, Sarah Podzorski. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the curse continues. A little bit. <laughs> All right. And then. Uh, is, that, is that beta still going on or is that done? Because I downloaded it. No, I think it. it's done. It's I think done. It's, okay. I think it's done and dusted. Yeah, but it seems like every other day they're like, come play Back for Blood, please. It'll come out at some point, but please keep coming around. So I guess they're testing the I think this is officially no more until it releases. Yeah? Okay. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's just start out talking about that, Sarah. Like, how much have you played? What do you think about it? (laughs) Um, I played through the, what they're calling the campaign, which is just kind of like, I don't don't want to call it like a roguelike or like, I don't want people to get on that. Yeah. But... Essentially, what you do is they throw you into this story where you're working as what they call cleaners and your job is to clear supply lines during a the zombie outbreak. But they're not called zombies because you can't, you know, right. I don't know, demeaning right. to the undead. Of it. But your job is to kind of like crawl through these different levels um, with four players. You can I suggest doing it with your friends. The bots are not good. OK, good they're to know. not helpful. Um, so you crawl through all these levels with your friends and you just see how far you can get. There's various acts and various levels, various like difficulty modes. So essentially you're just trying to get to the end. Um, but it's got this weird card system Yeah. where you have cards that like give you different abilities and you draw a card every time you go into a level, but you can pick what's in your deck so it's just it's it's basically like left for dead but like we it's more complicated they gave it more replayability and more i don't know there's just more to it i would say yeah and you've been streaming it so you haven't been playing with people just a bunch of bots in there with you yeah uh no i when i streamed it i played with some viewers oh nice um and the thing is is the difficulty levels jump are so are like literally are insane yeah because i was playing it with friends on like veteran which is medium and it's like genuinely, you know, you know, pretty challenging. Like you can really like, you can go south really fast. But then I played on the beginner level, which the name I forgot, and it was too easy. Like it was like genuinely too easy. It like wasn't fun. Yeah. Like you could just walk around swinging an axe at things, and you could make it through. Yeah. So, so I wonder if it's just like stick to veteran, but just kind of grind it out. Like go in expecting it's going to be a challenge. You're really going to have to focus yeah. on communication yeah, with the teammates. Yeah, you have to grind it and... out because you have to get those better cards. Right. Because obviously when you first play, like, your stuff's not going to be very good. Um, so you do kind of have to, like, it's it's the replayability is in there. 
Yeah, where's your hype level at? You know, for you the know what I always wanted for Left 4 Dead is like just a very easy mode that makes it like Night of the Living Dead zombies. Like they just don't run and you can just like it's just so you can see the map if you want. They should do that for Back for Blood. I mean, maybe it's going to be a living game. They'll keep adding stuff. They'll add your baby mode just for you, Kyle. They got it all. Yeah, yeah give me that baby mode. Yeah, but Kyle, your hype are, are is the still... Levels, the levels are not randomized, right? I know you said you didn't want to no, like, stick you, to the roguelike element, right? In They're the beta, there was only campaign. one map. So in the beta, there was only one map. And how you do a level is you'll go through it. You start in a safe house and you end in a safe house, which is where you save and buy stuff. Um, you get like three continues to get through it. Okay. But... You know, it, well, I, I like that. Like my, I love yeah. in Left 4 Dead, like learning the levels. You know, and mm-hmm. like having your nicknames for each area. That you're like, oh, yeah, oh we got to be careful here by the stairs. You know, that kind of thing. The right. monsters are. That's kind of like the random generation. Like, on you know medium mode, you'll get more of the hard monsters. But where they show up, you don't know. Like it's different every time. Mm. So you can't like prep for it or like practice and be like, okay, this would be something over here and there's something over here because yeah. it changes. Well, that's that's how it was in Left 4 Dead as well. But it's mm-hmm. like it's just knowing the layout. I think was always part of the fun of just like yeah. like getting that, like understanding where everything is was always. Well, I enjoyed that part of the game. You know. Yeah, yeah. October twelfth, Back for Blood is finally coming out, and then that's the greatest beta of all, or as we call it, the final release. So everybody can look forward to that. It's going to be interesting to see the reaction when this thing comes Post out. Release beta. That's right. Um, let's see, Pokemon. Is the big news of the day though? You can't you can't throw a rock without hitting news about Pokemon. Kyle, did you wake up and watch this weird stuff? Uh, I didn't wake up for it. Uh, I mean, I woke Good. up. I was doing a million other things, but I have watched it. Um, so I, if, I don't. Does that matter? Is that a detail that's important? <laughs> when I watched it, I did watch it. Thank God. <laughs> So, I mean, they ran down some Pokemon U- news. Uh, Sarah, your favorite, uh, Pokemon Unite. Hey, we got Mamoswine yeah. coming there for everybody. And Ooh, the, there's, Pokemon. There we go. A lot of rejoicing. But then they got to the, to the juicy stuff here, talking about Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl, the remakes uh, coming later this year in November, um, and just gave another look at those things overall, like, it seems like a pretty conservative remake overall. Like, Sarah, I don't know if anything stuck out to you about what they were showing there. No. I mean, it. they they really took a risk with, like, the art style of it. Yeah. But I do like a return to the top-down Pokemon a little bit. It is nice to see going back to top-down. Like, I'm, I'm kind of tired of open-world Pokemon. Um, so that was nice to see. And I think, I don't know, I might actually pick it up. Just because I I miss my top-down Pokemon experiences. Yeah, as a fan of all things cute, um, mm-hmm. do you get like some good squealy chibi vibes from this? Is this cute no, enough? Or is, no, okay. they're ugly. They're <laughs> ugly. On a term, on like the chibi scale, no. I put these at like the bottom of like not. It's not, and it's weird because when you see them in cutscenes, like they're normal size. Right. Yeah. And they, they get skinny again. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like this is really confusing. I mean, they're they're going for the Final Fantasy VII nostalgia as well. Like, here's eight different models for every character, depending <laughs> yeah. on what mode we're in. Yeah, whatever you're into. Um, yeah, I saw, thanks to Ana Diaz, dear friend of the show over at Polygon, she wrote an article about Chibi Cynthia, 
who's like the final mm-hmm. boss in the game. And uh, apparently the internet has been freaking out about seeing her great return, which I was not aware apparently that there's this greater fan lore about her just being a beast and just like impossible to defeat in that original game, which I think I beat that game and it didn't stand out too much to me, but I'm sure it's tough. But I think it was a sign of the times that like, you know, Anna's article headline over there at Polygon was like, I'm looking forward to being crushed by Cynthia when Pokemon releases. I, I just assumed it was a weird sex thing. Not an on, I just assumed, like, this is the state of the gaming discord. It's like, oh no, it's actually, she's just really difficult to defeat. Okay, like, actually, this is about the gameplay of a game. This is a revolution for gaming coverage these days. See, the brilliant thing about I mean, that, the headline, I guess, they do both things. I know. You're in it because it might be horny, but then it's actually there's actually uh, uh, other kinds of substance there. That's why Ana Diaz is the ultimate brilliant diamond, I think, when it comes to writing mm-hmm. headlines. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I saw fans were dissecting, you know, everything they showed, and it's pretty conservative overall. They have new stuff like, okay, there's the underground base area and stuff, and you can put Pokemon statues in there. And then what do they call these weird things? Pokemon hideaways where basically underground areas where new Pokemon will appear that you can catch only there, depending on which statues you put in your underground base, like it's some sort of like calling card for the other Pokemon to come hang out underground or something. I'm a little confused. Yeah, yeah I really look forward to checking out the tutorial and then not interacting <laughs> too much more with that system. It's, you know, they need something for the back of the box. They also have that karaoke game, right? Where you can do a little I'm actually excited for that. That's like new, right? Game? Yeah, that's new. It seems interesting, yeah. yeah. And they have, like, mining and weird stuff thrown in there. Yeah, so, it, it, I mean, I guess I don't know what the comparison is, but it didn't seem, like, super conservative to me. It seemed like they're adding substantive new things. Well, I think what stands out to me is just the art style is surprisingly faithful to the original. And then uh, Hugo on Twitter, remember the community, uh, tweeted at me that apparently dissecting, like, the map that they showed briefly, it looks like they're not including areas from Platinum in this release like there's a resort area that's not in there yet so it's like oh that's crazy so maybe that's gonna be like the dlc is adding like the platinum additions to this generation that that feels like it would have to be free yeah free content update later on maybe not look kyle are you gonna really predict that (laughs) when was the last time we had an remake Yeah, I mean, this is Nintendo. I mean, people will absolutely buy it. They're still releasing two of these games at the same time, Kyle. Do you think they're really going to be cheap on this? Like, they're going to get people's money any way they can. True. You can't dodge it. Um, but yeah, it seems fun. I, like, I will absolutely go back and, and play that game again. Um, back to the Sinnoh region, and they really reveal that they have a Pokemon, uh, or sorry, a Nintendo Switch Lite, November 5th, that's releasing with the legendaries on there and stuff, which it's kind of cool that it's like a darker theme. It's not like super cutesy like a super cutesy look for trying to match the theme of Pokemon. It seems like it's a little bit darker, a little more mature for the legendary types or something, you know? There's potential there, but I <laughs> like the watching that stuff made me think that I just want to go play the uh, the Silver remake, which I haven't played yet, so. Are you actually going to go play it? I might. Like, if that, if, if I'm going to go play one of those remakes, it'll probably be that one because I already have it, and I have Diamond and Pearl I don't necessarily hold as, like, dear as the as the Gen 2 stuff. Even if this one is maybe going to be a little bit more streamlined. Really? Do you really think, though? You, I mean, I don't want to dissuade you from playing Soul Silver. I mean, those are fantastic games. But at the same time, like, you know, you could play a new game, stay current in the cool lingo. You really want to go back when there's a new Pokemon remake right I'm here? No, I'm saying if I'm going, if, if I'm going to do it. Like, yeah. I don't think I'm going to play Diamond and Pearl when I still haven't beaten Soul Silver. So okay. if I'm going to play something it's probably going to be one of those yeah all right well where's your hype for 
this remake versus Pokemon Legends Arceus, which seems See, that, like... that, that, that one will probably play when it comes out. But that's also, I think, I think it's it's within a week or so of Elden Ring, so that's going to be a surprisingly oh my stacked God. January. I hadn't even thought of that, of course. Yeah, because this is coming out uh, January 28th for Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah. That's going to be the other ridiculous. other collectible Catch Them All franchise. That's true. They have like Pokemon mechanics in Elden Ring. That's true. I forgot about that. Oh my God, there's going to be a weird time, a weird stack January overall. But Kyle, as a Breath of the Wild fan, number one, as you insist on being called, What'd you think about the new trailer? Pokemon Legends Arceus, where are you landing on this thing? Uh, I am landing, I don't know, where do you, what, what's positive? What's a positive way to say I'm landing somewhere? I'm landing right in the middle. I'm landing on top of the mountain. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, top of the mountain. You're landing in the hype zone. I'm landing in the hype zone, squarely in the All center. Right. It's the most excited I've been about a Pokemon thing in a while. It's, it is, it's laughable how much they're going for breath of the wild it's though. absurd like, it is insane like it's 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 almost a parody like the trailer is very similar to that early one where they were just showing landscape shots with animals running around the music is really similar like which is like fine yeah please that's what i want <laughs> so thank you <laughs> it is insane like even in the gap between when that last trailer came out, somehow I'd forgotten just how hard they're trying to hit you over the head with the Breath of the Wild influence. And you watch this trailer again, it's like, okay, just the opening shots again are bringing you right back to that, especially like all those majestic the shots. The piano trill is like even in there, you know? The, oh, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. And especially focusing. Which is, like, again, I, I'm not offended by it in any way. Like, I, I want that game to be Breath of the Wild Pokemon. So if that's what it, if, if when they cut it together into a trailer, if it feels that close to Breath of the Wild, then maybe we're in good shape here, you know? Could be. Yeah. I think it looked a lot better than the last time around. I mean, the tech is obviously a lot better. Yeah. The first trailer was pretty rough in a lot of ways. Like the resolution seems low and some yeah. of the textures it, are a little rough here. But other than that, it's like, okay, technically a little more it stable. It better. I, it still makes me pine for that Switch Pro. Like oh, it's, yeah. it's still in that ter- territory where there's very visible anti-alias. And this is weird because it's like uh, like Nintendo is not known as a tech powerhouse. But this this is kind of um, the, the point where I was like, yeah, like, yeah, Nintendo is not the hardware pushing company, but they really could use new hardware. <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of that's going to be probably a big factor when talking about this game is like, well, it's Game Freak. They're not exactly the tech powerhouse. They're trying to make the most on this hardware that is a little bit long in the tooth as well. So it's going to be kind of a tough combo. And I think, yeah, this is a game that's going to rely more on being visually impressive than I think uh, most of Game Freak's games and a lot of Nintendo games where there's like big draw distances are going to be cool. Like there's going to be a lot of landscapes to look at. And I think it's going to be noticeable if this game is like doesn't run super well because it's going to be it's going to be disappointing to the vision of what that game is. Yeah, but these are still somewhat hypothetical based on what we know. But honestly, like I I really turned around. I think I was cautiously optimistic with the last trailer. And then this time around, it's like, okay, I'm getting a better sense of what this game is. And I am legitimately quite hyped at this point like seeing things in particular just like transitioning into combat uh not having any big like smooth transitions into combat i should say and just like the aspect of they have like smoke bombs now so you can like throw a smoke bomb so the pokemon can't detect you and you can like sneak up on them and actually try and catch them in the wild by actually throwing a pokeball at them and they have things 
You know, it's Pokemon, it's weird. They have things called heavy balls, where it's like, okay, you have a higher chance of catching the Pokemon if you throw the heavy ball, but you have to be closer to them because you can't throw them as far. Like, having some real gameplay mechanics to trying to catch a Pokemon should not be a revolutionary thing after this franchise has been around for 25 years, but somehow it feels like just a sensation to be like, oh my god, new gameplay ideas in Pokemon. We're actually going to have to go out and catch these things in a different kind of way. I do like the I feel the, like uh, you're racing Pokemon Go here, Hanson, which had a lot of mechanics <laughs> yeah, around throwing the Pokemon. That's true. Yeah, you that's right. It and then did one of those. Closing that's, the app, going back in. Uh, I, I do like that the Pokeball, like they, a lot of the concepts in Pokemon feel very 90s and like stuck in that time frame of like everything is based on tech. So I like them having to like, we need to make a classic, ver- like an old school version of the Pokeball that looks wooden and is more mechanical, but it still f- uh, fires a firework whenever you successfully <laughs> It's just like one little firework that pops up and Instead explodes. Of like, a, like a very loud clicking sound, which right. is what I think most things would do. It's just like, no, there's got to be the visual flair but of course it is a fundamental to this piece of technology that it fire a firework when it confirms <laughs> a pokemon catch yeah it doesn't have the red glow to it anymore you got to have something you know it's such yeah. a weird thing uh, uh, the other thing is that i almost expected them to go for action-based combat and it seems like they're modifying it quite a bit um but it it does it, i did find it initially disappointing that it is still kind of like okay once you do that now you go into rpg combat mode instead of like when you when you use this pokemon you can somehow issue it orders and have it you know be real time or whatever i think i was actually surprised by how much they were shaking up the combat i feel like for years and now years and years now we've been screaming like please game freak do something with the pokemon combat and just adding that idea of, you know, Final Fantasy X style turn order to get to see who gets to go next. And it's not all mm-hmm. you go, I go. Like av- adding that dynamic where you get to choose if you want to have a strong attack, which is going to be a little bit slower, or an agile attack so that you can potentially even do multiple attacks before the enemy goes. Or you can do one attack, then use a potion. Like just having that basic turn order on the screen and just that little option for each move here. It's like, okay, this is going to hopefully feel like a new Pokemon experience which I've been craving for a long time. Uh, Sarah, where are you? uh, Yes? Never mind. Kyle can talk now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look, it's the cursed episode. Uh Okay, there's a fly. You don't want to hear my opinion (laughs) on the straw shoes? (laughs) Yes, please. My opinion was not interesting. I'm like really hung up on these straw shoes, you guys. Like, you're telling me they have desks and window frames and curtains and... The technology for shoes just ended at straw. Wait, they have straw shoes? Yeah, they all have sandals. like shoes made out of straw. They all have straw sandals. That's absurd. I didn't even notice that. See, you guys are hung up on the combat. Right, right. I'm hung up on like the ancient Japanese stuff. Like I'm going to play it regardless just for that. But I'm like really hung up on these shoes. Not even like the cool new Pokemon. Like, hey, you got a funky version of Growlithe and all this stuff. I mean, they're, they're cute. I mean, okay. I wish they would push it a little bit farther. Uh, in in the style of like ancient Japan and stuff, I wish they would push it a little bit. But yeah, I'm mostly excited for seeing the actual, seeing more of the cultural environment of it. Because you see, I've seen, I've looked at so many empty fields with trees in them. Yeah, and they showed us one shot of the town, and like I want more of the town. I want more of like the civilization because it's supposed to be about how humans interacted with Pokemon pre, I don't know, BC, like B. P B po- before Pokemon before like, Pokemon Christ yeah before or B P messed it all up yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so that's it, all I really care about no it is interesting it's so weird because they've said previously like okay this is the time before gyms before trainers and I didn't even realize until I saw people talking afterwards on Reddit about like 
Wait, does that mean you're not going to be battling other Pokemon trainers in this world? And they haven't shown it yet, which is wild. But it seems like this is definitely, I think when this game comes out, it's going to be seen as a stepping stone to the next real generation of Pokemon. In the way that I think even the DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield, people are seeing that and the expansion of the wild area as another stepping stone. I feel like this is going to be, well, it's a lot of good ideas here, but we really wish there was more than one town. And we really wish that it was more fully featured for the competitive scene or something because they still haven't mentioned multiplayer in any way like they said on their site that there's a trading post in the town where you can trade with other people and that's all i said i'm sure they're saving something for future pokemon presents or something but there's still some huge question marks about just what we're going to be doing is it just going to be going to that town talking to the members of the galaxy expedition team getting your mission and then just going out into the field doing that mission and then coming back like it might be a really simple thing here and i don't so know like monster so- I think it's monster. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. It's like everyone's yeah. looking at this game as being Breath of the Wild, but it, it seems like it's going to be Monster Hunter because you're specifically going out on excursions to capture Pokemon. So it may not even be an open world game. It may just be like you're in that town and you go out into the like the specific biomes and stuff uh, by like talking to the Survey Corps or whatever I think you're working for yeah. and having execute missions where you're like, go catch the, these five Pokemon. And then this is how, and then like the whole battle mechanics are how you do it. Yeah, I think you might be right. That's a good way of looking at it. Um, I mean, have they said open world? Has that been like that? I, I think we all assumed that, right? Yeah. I, I'm now sort of second guessing myself, but I would be like massive. I would like not even play it if it's not open world. Honestly. Yes, you would. If it was open region compared to open so. world. What's the? I, mean, I don't really like Monster Hunter. I don't want to play Pokemon Monster Hunter. I The reason that I'm excited about that game is the idea of exploring a big open area. I'm not excited about catching pokemon in a new way i want to explore a world and i want to ride weird ear around but what if it was the first way what if you were like the person who made the first pokedex right and you could tell all your friends that i was the first person to catch a growlith that looked like it was wearing a helmet for but it like the helmet was made out of hair I mean, maybe I'm being hyperbolic, like to say that I wouldn't play it, yes, but like are. it would, it would drastically lower my interest in the game. If just it's that not you're not like world. transitioning between biomes, like it's still going to be open, just because you can't go from like, oh, I'm walking from snow over to grass, which we don't know. That's not the case, by the way. But really, yeah. that's that important. I, th- I, I think the open world stuff implies a, a degree of exploration that might not be in a Monster Hunter game, because in a Monster Hunter game, you're not really like, okay, I'm in this like uh, this, the snow biome, but I'm not like, okay, I need to look behind the waterfall, or like maybe if I go under here, there's a treasure chest or something like that right so if it's structured on monster hunter you are in there to do a thing and get out versus like exploring a world which i would still be into i would still play this game if it were monster hunter but i think that that's maybe where some of that disappointment would come from for kyle well and and, like i think i'm alone in that sort of like because i i i like that like monster hunter sort of structure turning me off i i think that most people would be really excited by that idea but yeah like the hook for me the main thing that i've been excited about since announcement is the idea that I could Breath of the Wild style walk from one end of the map to the other. You know what I mean? Without having to encounter loading screens or anything like that. Yeah. So you mentioned your dear friend, Weird Deer, which is a new evolution of Stantler. Yeah, he is the best. And you can ride him around as a mount, but people in the community were uh, very excited to get your take, Kyle, on what you thought about uh, the other mounts in the game, where you have basically a Pokemon Jet Ski, Basque Legion here, um, who, of course, is powered by the souls of salmon that didn't make it up the stream because it's some good Pokemon <laughs> lore that they crammed in there. But then, like, the flying glider thing, it's 
Hisuian Braviary is the distinct variation here, and it's just like you got a whole flying thing going on here, Kyle. It's exactly your cup of tea. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, I mean they had this yeah, in Sun and Shield, right? Yeah. Or uh, Sun and Moon, right? Where it was like you had the access to the three Pokemon you could ride as yeah, kind of fast yeah. And stuff. But that's it's still from but it, that was, it was almost like riding. It was like a different take on riding a bicycle, basically. You know what I mean? It was like still pretty constrained. Right. I like the idea of like hopping on the back of a weird ear and really galloping right. across the countryside yeah, uh, but, not like, yet called Sinnoh region uh, is, is very in- enticing yeah but this feels more like they're like they're basically mapping mechanics from Breath of the Wild uh, into Pokemon of like okay you need a hang glider so we're going to give you a Pokemon that attached to that you need like some sort of way to get across water so here's the Pokemon for that I like that that seems what that is to me yeah yeah it's going back to the tech conversation it kind of stressed me out seeing this I had that moment of just worrying about like oh god anything that pushes this tech anymore like i don't know about the idea of like flying through this world like you know breath of the wild couldn't handle the motorcycle do we need a fast uh you know weird deer sprinting around just to push a little bit more but i'm rooting for him it seems exciting um yeah kyle you mentioned it it was interesting that like the first trailer they said hey this is Sinnoh. this is ancient Sinnoh. look at this and then for the second trailer, they're like, uh, it's called the hisui region now it's, it's not quite Sinnoh yet and so i'm trying to figure out is that just so they can have like that specific version of like this is a Hisuian Growlithe and it has a distinct name instead of just pre-Sino Growlithe or even calling it a Sino Growlithe doesn't really make sense but now it's like a whole custom thing and this is a new area for them to add new Pokemon add new variants and stuff just to try and make it more exciting than a greatest hits of other Pokemon being shoved into this mm-hmm. region I don't know it's exciting I'm looking forward to it and there's weird stuff too like uh the evil Pokemon that they showed for a beat where it's just like Gyarados going nuts. And that combined with the fact that you, they confirmed that your chair, your character can die from Pokemon. It seems absurd. You can black out. It's I'm completely, sure. it's yeah. a different. Thing. Nope. They, he, they, that bear tears you apart. Yeah. It's the bloodiest game. <laughs> it's permanent. Uh, that dude. was ever made. It's uh, rated R for some reason. I don't know why they, I don't know why they went for <laughs> R and not M, but yeah it's gonna be yeah you're just going back to camp or whatever but just to have like some element of danger out here as you're wandering around i'm very excited about yeah just sneak around a little bit everybody um let's see other beats that we missed about pokemon legends arceus anything stand out to anybody else just the shoes sarah Mm -hmm. okay yep shoes were cute um there's also i mean there's some dopey store stuff or lore stuff about like oh the galaxy expedition team is the core team here and they have like ah oh, they're three different camps what is it the medical core the survey core and the security core and you're working with those people and their ancestors of people from the pokemon what pearl game Attack on Titan go pokemon like what is this i don't know but what's weird then is like okay so it's called the galaxy expedition team but then the evil team in those games is called team galactic right so yeah, the idea so that over like thousands of years or whatever that like evolved to be the good guys yeah <laughs> into like the evil team so you know there's some fun lore stuff there Anyways, yeah, very curious to see what that game's like when it comes out uh, January 28th. Um, Kyle. Man, you, you got all in my head about the maybe it's not open world thing. Because now I'm like, have they said it? Because like, there's so many stories that are like a new poke, like comicbookhere.com that I pulled up. Pokemon Legends announced a new open world Pokemon game. But then I'm looking at all the tweets and trailers. I'm like... I don't think they've ever said open world. But <laughs> it, I'm like, <laughs> I would be shocked. 
I would be shocked if I it's, would too. But they're I can see them just messaging wise not wanting to use that phrase for whatever reason. It's I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of like Halo Infinite has been very much dancing around that idea of like we're not going to say those two words next to each other. We're just going to say a lot of yeah. it's the biggest Halo world yet. You know, so everybody has a different approach because I think there's a lot of baggage if you call something an open world game and. Especially yeah, legally you can't sure. either unless it's actually open world. That's right. Yeah, otherwise uh, somebody will yeah, kick down your freaking door. <laughs> um, hey, Kyle. Axiom Verge yeah. 2 is a game yeah. that I hear I, you've been playing. I, I, hold on. Oh, yeah. You skimmed over the fact that they're updating Pokemon Unite with uh, two new Pokemon, which I'm sure we're all very excited about. Oh, shame. Actually, Hey, and if you pre-register for the mobile version, you get free Pikachu. You get, so, but you can get a free Pikachu anyway, so it's kind of an empty offer. Well, I don't have a free Pikachu yet, so I'm going to get one <laughs> when the mobile version hits. Yeah, and Pokemon Masters, that game everyone's still playing. That's right. Mm-hmm. There's there's all the hits there. Um, Sarah, are you still... Okay, that's fair. Are you still enjoying Pokemon Unite, Sarah? Or do you think it was kind of a flash in the pan? Like, this is better than I thought. Moving on. I think it was kind of a flash in the pan. This is better than I thought. Like, mm. I got really into it, and then I just kind of, like, didn't play one day, and I realized my life wasn't any different for <laughs> having not played it. So that's kind of how I'm continuing to live. It's, if you like MOBAs, and maybe maybe you want an introduction to how MOBAs work, right. I definitely suggest picking it up, because it is free. And you're like, how does the MOBA thing work? It teaches you. It's really good. It's really handholdy. It will teach you. Yeah. Have Mamo Swine teach you how mobile works. That's the future of gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, Kyle, uh, we talked a little bit about it last week, but Axiom Verge 2. Uh, you've been playing this. Uh, Surreal, you've, how far are you at this point? Uh, I finished it. Oh, nice. Um, Kyle, your, your brief take was you saying, I'm a little underwhelmed so far. Yeah, I mean, I, Cyril, you you full on reviewed it for yeah. Polygon, right? Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, I, I haven't read your review yet, but yeah, I I mean, I'm like three or four hours in. I think my map percentage is like forty or fifty percent or something like that. But I am, I, I am finding myself underwhelmed by it, surprisingly. And maybe it is a factor of me like thinking I was really gonna love it. Yeah. But in terms of like the. Th- it's, it's a number of, like, little things that are bugging me. Like, a lot of the... I like the melee-focused combat. I don't even know if there is a gun over the course of the game. I, I don't need one. But, like, a lot of the enemies that you face kind of s- jump up from the ground and surprise you. And, and it's not fun. Like, I don't like having to crouch to fight a lot. Mm-hmm. And that is what I feel like I'm doing a lot. And that's, that's something I can get over. But then, like, the other thing that I'm running into is, like, it has this system where it shows you where you need to go, which is, you know, in Metroid, that's pretty common. It's like, a, it'll just put a, a dot on your map. Like, you haven't filled it out yet. It's just this floating dot that you head to. And on multiple occasions, I have been heading towards that dot, and then it's like, I hit it. I'm like right up next to the dot, and I can't get past it. And I hate doing this, but on a few occasions, I've looked up, and it's like, what am I missing? There must be some small puzzle I'm missing or something. And like, every time it's been this item that I didn't get that is like totally on the other side of the map that I had no indication that I was supposed to be going over there. And I, I just keep running into that. And like, I just don't, I, I just feel kind of aimless. I feel like I'm not getting receiving what I need to progress, even though it is like putting a pinpoint for me to travel to. I'm just like, I keep running into little things like that, that are just like rubbing me the wrong way. And it's just not really clicking with me. But then there's a lot of stuff I do like. Like, the music is great. The style is great. I like the action. I like turning into the little robot, which is where I'm at in the story now, is that I actually, like, 
turn back and forth between a human character and a robot character and I have the ability to like grab onto ledges and pull myself up. That stuff's great and yeah. it feels good. But it's just like it's like sort of zooming out is where I keep like running into trouble and I I find myself sort of just like closing it and playing something else and thinking like ah maybe I'll get back to this later when I'm less annoyed by it. But um I I, I think Serial, I think you're a, a fair bit hotter on it. So I would love to hear your sort of larger take. I know you had a quick one last week. Yeah, I I I did have one instance where I got kind of stuck and it was because I missed the, like a very like, like you get one ability and they kind of um very smartly like tell you where to go next but then I just I think it was because I stopped playing then and they came back and they had totally forgotten about the the next kind of step in that progression. Um so I did get stuck a couple times but no yeah I ended up really liking it. Um I like that it feels like it's more Metroid in that it is a lot harder than I think a lot of Metroidvania games early on like um, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but like just just going out from a save point and getting to the next location is feels very different when you know that you're not going to get anything out of killing enemies, right? Like you you might get your health back, but there's no like resources or anything, so you're kind of best like you're you're like enemies are just obstacles in the way. They're not like okay, well if I kill a bunch of enemies in this area, I can go back to the shopkeep and like that. Like all of your progression is based on items, which I think is is um, like a, a pretty good. Uh, change of pace from a lot of those metroidvania games uh and i like a lot of the abilities i think there's like the the drone that you get later on is i think a really cool ability that basically lets you uh i don't know how far you're into the game kyle but uh once you get the drone i think a lot of that game opens up a lot um and you get some pretty cool abilities uh later and one thing i do like is that the the narrative i think it actually matches um it's not like it's not like similar to metroid but it matches that kind of like uh feeling of isolation that you have from metroid where it's not like you know uh in something like guacamelee right like it it is a metroidvania but it doesn't feel like metroid because it's like very friendly and like there's a lot of characters interacting whereas here it's like you're kind of in your own head a lot and the game like a lot of the the text and stuff that you find is kind of pushing you towards it because it's very existentialist very about like the nature of consciousness and humanity and stuff in a way that makes you think about like you know, really long stretches of time. And it kind of feels in line with like how Metroid is always like very quiet and kind of getting you to think your own head. Right. Yeah. I'll agree with you there. Like there's like a, a interesting moment where you kind of, you're hopping dimensions almost. And you meet this one person who's talking about how if they, it's almost like the, was it from Dragon Ball, like the hyperbolic time chamber. Yeah. And like they, depending on where they are in their world, like time will speed up or slow down for them. And they and they use that as a way to like live their life. You know what I mean? Like maybe I need to slow down here. Maybe I need to speed up here. And it's like subtle. It's not like a major part of the story. It's just like part of this conversation that you have with this character that you meet briefly. That's like, yeah, that's just how things work here. Isn't that weird? And it's like, that is weird. I'm gonna go find some stuff. I'll be back later. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think though, I I do like it overall, and I, like I had a good time with it. But um, I think maybe maybe it was playing Metroid Fusion earlier this year, or maybe it's just like having played enough of these. But uh, it de- like as much as I appreciate how much it is, you know, borrowing from Metroid and not kind of looking at the rest of the of the genre of like how other games have built themselves. Um, it does feel a little bit like okay, th- like I've run this route so many times at this point that like you know usually by the end of the game you're like trying to like uh, get everything, and at this point like I was powerful enough that I didn't really 
want to do like, like like clear out the rest of the map and stuff so there were times where i was like okay yeah this is maybe a little too like because it is so dedicated to metroid there's no, it doesn't have its own hook in a, uh, a lot of times it's just like the hook of this game is that it is metroid and it is a really good uh version of that yeah where whereas something like hollow knight is like oh it's got dark souls elements in it or like guacamelee has very different combat so if you like that that might get you into it yeah so if you're not into metroid uh or don't like metroid there's just nothing in this game for you do you think? Yeah, I mean, you can you can drop the Vania part like all. Yeah, together. that's I like, mentioned that in my no, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Stardew that Axiom Verge Two is going to be in your top ten end of the year? Uh, it might be. It might be on the lower end of it, but okay. like I, I I think at this point it I I like it enough, and I think I'll probably think back fondly on it more more so than a lot of other games this year. Uh huh. And how do you think of the fly? Do you think back fondly on the fly? I, it's not my favorite Cronenberg. Right? Okay. He's the he's the director. Oh yeah. Oh, big time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Sarah and Serial, you both have played the great Ace Attorney Chronicles, or so I hear. Uh, Sarah, you are a maniac <laughs> from hell. Um, you streamed it like, no, like 17 I was hours. What Ace the Attorney heck? tied me up, threw me into the basement, and they said, you will play the tutorial, and that's it. Did Wait, you try pressing the home button? You could just That leave. six hours was all the tutorial. Are you I mean, kidding that, that me? I mean, first case? Yeah. That six hours. I mean, it's was the first the case. Tutorial. It's the first of five cases. Okay. Like, and by hour teaching... four, I was gonna turn myself into the cops. I said, Look, <laughs> "Put me in jail. Put me in jail. I don't care anymore. I'll go to jail." So it's like a. And at the very end of my six hours, they unironically looked into the camera and they said, "It's not about knowing the law. It's about believing." And that's when I lost it. <laughs> off the rails wait is this just because you're streaming it so you felt committed to like well we'll we'll see through this first case slash well, soft I tutorial gonna, like cut it in the middle of the tutorial because is... i wanted to meet herlock sholmes right but i didn't realize i had to earn it <laughs> well i guess i guess the thing is that like it is not like maybe not thinking of it as the tutorial and more like the first of five case it's like right, the first right. of five acts in that story like it's not like a thing where you skip it and then you go on to the re the real rest of the game like it, it is important it is an important part of that story all right serial tutorial defender over here we understand how it works i mean like i mean i will say though like as someone who has played a lot of these games that first case is definitely like the longest those uh, of those that it has ever been oh really? and it feels it, it is the most substantial of those first cases and i kind of like that about it because like the first case is always it always does feel a little bit more throwaway of like if i've already beaten this and i'm replaying it i it's like usually fine to skip the first case but you can't really do that in this one because it's integrated into like there's a whole arc uh that runs across the entire game that requires that first one and i i think it's one of the better first cases in that it, it is interesting there is an arc like it has an interesting turnabout i like a lot of the stuff that they do like the whole premise of the game is that uh it is like uh 20th century japan uh, in that first case, at least, and you're you're being introduced like this is a couple a few years after they've introduced kind of like uh, Western concepts in. So like there's a lot of language barriers that come up between the British Empire and Japan, and so like the way they kind of have like English uh, people talking in the text is like cursive, and it's like nonsense cursive. So it's like it, that communicates like oh uh, you don't understand this person because they're speaking English. Uh, which is interesting. That's fun. Yeah, Sarah, it seemed like you were doing a lot of talking about localiza uh, localizing and stuff when you are streaming the game. Like, is it interesting just from that history of Japan angle? I mean, 
I'm such a nerd for that kind of stuff that that's what got me interested. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't enough to hold me in by like hour four of this case. I, you know, it was getting kind of rough, but it, it is interesting that the decisions they make and the way they name people uh, are all very on the nose if you know Japanese and they do a really good job like localizing all of the characters. There is a lot of text. I simply do not recommend streaming this game because sure. when I stream, I like to read everything because I don't want you guys to have to read it. So I read it. And by the end of it, I had like lost my voice because it's <laughs> a lot of reading. Um, so we definitely kind of Ace Attorney and I had a misconnection. Right. You know, we, I understand. A really bad first impression. That's fine. Yeah, I, I, I do I think mean, it's, it's a visual novel, right? I yeah. mean, that's essentially yeah. what that series yeah. is. You know? But you play the visual novels I play are voiced. They're all voiced, <laughs> fully voiced. Yeah, well, this Sorry, one. This one does, wasn't there. This one does have like a straight up story mode where, you, like, instead of having to figure out, you know, like what piece of evidence should I present, or what statement, like the game will literally like play itself for you. Really? And, like, it, it it'll like go through the F, like I think the way they just map it is just like inputs. So it's just like if you go to story mode, it'll go into your inventory, like highlight the right piece of evidence and present. Weird. It. That uh, is and so, so like weird. oh, where it's like where on this diagram like is a contradiction, and then like the cursor will move over to it, and it, like the game plays itself. It's like actually like I've used it a couple times. It's actually pretty cool. It's like a Ouija um, board for getting you to the next spot. I mean, so yeah. In general, sorry. I mean, where are you at overall with? The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. I, I really like it. I like a lot of the mechanics they introduce. Uh, once you meet Sherlock, or Herlock Sholmes, sorry. Please, respect. Non-copyright uh, character, even though the character is public domain. Uh, like, you you do a, an interesting thing. So, like, the first case is, like, all trial. The second case is kind of all investigation with some kind of, with a little bit of proof. But the way that they do that in the investigation areas is... Uh, so Herlock Sholmes is kind of like, you know, the he is a Sherlock Holmes type character. Right. Uh, and so he'll be he'll make all these deductions, but they're all wrong. So it's like, oh, like be judging by this. But it's like they're kind of he's like onto something, but he's kind of pinpointing the wrong thing. So he'll do like this, like literal dance of like, oh, like the, the camera is constantly moving around and like uh, flashing on characters when it's the, even when he's pointing out like things that are wrong about them. So it's like, oh, see, it's because of his cane that he looks funny and what he's very clearly wearing an obvious like fake beard. <laughs> and so it's like you're OK. Well, show him. I think you're onto something. But and then you start kind of doing that whole sequence, like that dance sequence with him where you're like the camera's swirling around you and like you, you're moving around. And it's like, actually, it's his beard. Um, that makes him weird. And it's like, if you look around, like then this is, I'm going to use this piece of evidence here. So it's like, you're kind of fixing his deductions for him. Right. Uh, which is really cool. And then the other thing they do is they have jury trials. Um, and it's, I, it's so far it's been mostly for show, but it's like the showiest version of a jury where like right beneath the judge are six jurors in the third case, which is where I'm on. And they all have like, they're like, you have you keep track of where everyone is at, whether they think the the person is guilty or not guilty, and it's like the flashiest thing because it's like they have these like gavels that basically that they hit with their hands that fires a, f a piece of flame into a scale that tips it one side or the other. So it's what? like everyone knows where the jury is at in a way that I don't think really abides by British <laughs> law during that period. But it's a very like and all the jurors are of course like Phoenix Wright characters basically of like they're very showy. Like one of them is constantly. You know, when they when they uh, pan to like, oh, like, oh, I think this guy like this guy's holding a knife and he's twirling it. This lady is like just on a typewriter the entire time and is like totally silent. Besides, like, yeah, that makes sense. The biological deduction. That's that's where we're going. 
but then they use it as a mechanic because at some point, like if all the jurors think that the person is guilty, then it's like, okay, you have one final chance to convince them otherwise. Right. And the way you do that is by finding contradictions in why they're guilty. So they'll be like, oh, see, it's because of his, um, I think it's because of his, like, uh, the fact that he wore the petticoat uh, at this time of day. And then it's like, oh, yeah, well, he was out for his nightly excursion, says another juror. So it's like, well, you say it's day, you say it's night. So these these statements conflict. Uh, so and then that slowly kind of unfurls, you know, a 12, uh, 12 Angry Men style. So I, I like a lot of what they're doing. And the story yeah. seems to be about, like, uh, how bad British imperialism was, because a lot of them are super racist towards you because you're like a Japanese lawyer in Britain. So everyone's like. Uh, yet, like the the Nipponese, which is what they call them, it's like, yeah, I I, I wasn't sure what lawyers from uh, from Nippon were going to be like, but it doesn't seem like they're too smart. So the, and like you're just constantly pushing back against that. I'm just like, I know I, I learned English, but I so I can put up with you. So, um, yeah, I, I I've been enjoying it a lot. So yeah. Far. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's out on uh, PC, Switch, PS4, Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Um, Sarah, there's a game that you streamed on Minimax's Twitch account called Road96. Yes. yes. The road trip God. game. Um, Kyle... I don't even know where to start. It's weird. So it is the game that's all about like a procedural narrative that's kind of like the big hook. It kind of... The stupid shorthand that you could use is that I feel like it's where Telltale would have gotten to if they kept growing and they kept existing because it's basically like a telltale Mm -hmm. roguelike with like flavors of an immersive sim thrown in there like i don't necessarily like the idea of a narrative game where it's like okay it's procedural you are in this country trying to you're a kid trying to make your way to a teen very specifically okay teen trying to make your way across the border because this country is being torn apart by politics and strife I thought it was going to be like this super serious Annapurna thing. No, it's like... No. It's silly. It's weird at times. It has like a Borderlands style intro. Like the tone is not at all what I was expecting for Road 96, but... It's very much like Pokemon go to the polls is how I would describe it a little (laughs) bit. Like very heavy handed. Yes. Very heavy handed because you're a teen and you're trying to escape the work mines because they're putting teens in the mines because they don't want teens to vote because the (laughs) teens would vote for the good candidate who's a woman uh, or and then there's a the bad candidate who's like this bad man who's also the minister of oil and it's... you and I'm just trying to get to the border you play as <laughs> every level you play as like a different teen and your right. goal is to make it to the border and what happens is you can choose to walk hitchhike or take a bus or take a taxi or steal a car you can choose all the ways you get to the border but you can encounter these random things like there's a cop who keeps turning me in um, you encounter like a journalist who all she does is lie, you know, very on the nose. Um, there's like police violence, police brutality. There's pro it's like they took 2020, like ramped it up to a hundred and then yeah. tried to sell it to me. Yeah. And they were like, but it's, it's a telltale game. And I'm just like, just a lot of- <laughs> but then they're like, it's not America. It's called Petria. And I kept saying, this is America. And everybody in the chat was like, it's not. It's Petria. It's Petria in 1996. There's no relation. It's not a political game, Sarah, in any way. No. Um, no. Uh, yeah. You're well, that, tor- that was my question hearing you describe it with like teens they and be, minds. Like, is they it Earth? And, like, what? I think it's Earth. It feels Earthy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's yeah. cops Earthy there. tones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you enjoying it, Sarah? I don't know if I will 
continue to play it all right post that stream yeah uh, there was one point someone just looked at me in the game and they were like are you political <laughs> and i was like oh my god like there's just too much of this already like i play video games to escape oh, interesting. not to like delve deeper into you know problems with nations and governments and but at the same time like yeah it's such a weird tone because it's trying to be goofy and lighthearted about some of those things so i appreciate that at least they're not being i don't know too dour about everything on their end even though if it is like a light-hearted heavy-handedness but starting it out i was really excited about like okay so the story's gonna adapt to what i do i can do anything this is gonna be great so they want me to walk towards this cop i'm gonna try running the other way and it's like nope, nope then the cop just throws you in the cop car no matter what like there's a lot less freedom than i thought there was it's a lot more in that telltale vein than in the kind of immersive sim vein, which is what I was hoping mm -hmm. for with this thing. Did you ever make it out? Did you make it across the border? No, I got screwed because I made it all I the made, way to yeah. the border and I was very excited about it. And then and there's you couldn't like- couldn't jump the fence? Um, yes, yeah. So, okay, so I got to the border and it's like, I'm in a cave, I'm in like a mountainous area and there's rocks mm -hmm. everywhere and it gives you the option of like mm -hmm. hiding your money. And I had like a hundred bucks on me or something. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I can store my money and then when I- play as the next kid in this story taking a different path on road 96 mm -hmm. up here i can pick up that money so i'm like this is great i assume this is just the ending right here so i hid all my money and then <laughs> i went to the next screen and then it's just like some woman being like you need to give me your money if you want to get across this border and you can't go back no and so i was like no screw you i'm going <laughs> for it so then i just tried to plow ahead and make my way through there and then yeah did not manage to scale the wall and then i was put in child jail for being too jail. too politically woke i think was the mm -hmm. issue yeah, I made it across once and I was like, this is, I did it. I did it. This is it. Congratulations. Yeah, I, just, I just feel like when, when people like, I don't know if the developer was explicit about like our game is not political, but I just feel like mm. what they mean is our, we don't want any controversy. Please don't talk about our game in, in a way that could be controversial. I, That's really all they mean. Cause I think the, the definition of political in that context is uh, usually somewhat like when, the way they're using it is really murky. I don't think I have not read or watched too much from the developers but i don't think they're trying to frame this as not a political okay. game like it's the same studio yeah. it's um dick dixit art is the name of the studio um and kyle they're the people that made that world war one game with elijah wood do you remember that thing called 11 11 memories oh. retold yeah i interviewed the director at e3 for that yeah oh there yeah, we go was, they worked with ardman on that too right ardman animation yeah the Wallace yeah. and gromit folks yeah this is them kind of branching out so they have you know some real world history development behind him and stuff like that okay. so i think they're trying to embrace it but it's just i think you're right sir the, the writing is pretty dopey at times but it's still it was much more entertaining than i thought and there's just like mm -hmm. weird flashes of interactivity that i wasn't expecting for the style of game like okay you're camping out with a trucker you're going across the country and then he mm -hmm. has you go make his favorite drink in the back and you go in the back and it's like then this weird slide puzzle in his fridge yeah, of like there's, rearranging there's cool, things like mini games yeah i had to play bella chow on the trumpet on uh, trombone right was one of the first things you have to do and that was pretty fun but it just made me kind of feel like a bad person all i learned is that i'm absolutely cutthroat like do not stand between me and that border like i threw somebody <sighs> under the bus I threw my fellow teens under the bus, and then I realized there is a karma system in the game. <laughs> Did it so, have like, any... maybe that was a bad choice. 
Do you think, like, how did that work then? Did you just, like, trip them and the police got them and you kept sprinting towards the border yourself? Well, they, we were, like, in the back of our fake parents' van and she, I, like, a cop came up and I was, like, playing cool. I was like, yeah, I'm just a chill teen in the right. car. And the other girl was like, I hate the cops. And then I was like, get out, Zoe. You're fired. You're no longer in the van. And then we drove away and she went to prison. Cool. Yeah, that works yeah. out. When they kick her, when you kick her out, they tell you like that lady uh, eventually went to prison because of what you did. Like they, are, don't know. the nice thing is every teen is a little bit later on in the story. So like you hmm. play further and further closer to election day. Each teen you play is a little bit closer to election day. So the choices you made as your first teen will affect the things that happen to you if as you pick different teens. Um, so that's kind of cool to see. Yeah. But I have been, there's like three choices. There's like the fist, which is like action, the vote, which is voting and hobo on a stick, which is, uh, fuck it. I'm out of here. And I keep picking hobo on a stick. Like okay. I keep picking hobo stick. <laughs> I'm just trying to get across the border. Yeah. Do what you gotta do. It's, mm-hmm. it's a cool little thing. I'm glad this game exists. I'm curious to see what Leo thinks about it. Cause now he was really looking forward to it. He's, a sucker for any procedural content and the idea of like this procedural story is interesting even if yeah it's a little bit more in the telltale mode than i was expecting but road 96 it's on a pc and switch um yeah it, it's interesting this year just the bubbling up of these procedurally narrative games like i don't know if any of you have checked out wildermyth came out back in june and i definitely want to play more of it um but the best way to describe it is it's a procedurally generated narrative tactics D&D game which seems like a lot but it's PC only right now and so you have a certain number of characters they're going to be randomized to some extent and it's just a good lesson for if you only include a couple key ingredients you can really connect to these characters it's like okay uh, I have this character and you have the option then of you know because it's all procedurally generated it's all random exactly what's going to be popping up like okay this character has the option of going to investigate this fountain yes i will go investigate the fountain okay now the fountain turned this character blue okay now throughout the rest of this campaign this character will be blue i have to live with those consequences or like okay this character over here was distracted because it saw a herd of centaurs running through the forest do you want to follow them stay too close stay far away so there's all these little options as you go along and it can have like real consequences for your characters there is permadeath in it as well and then in the combat with the tactics, there's also consequences to those things. So it's a really cool D&D simulator um, that I, I want to go back to. I, I, I know that a lot of people uh, love it a lot. Mike Mahardy over there on Fire Escape Cast has been raving about it. But yeah, it's called Wildermyth. And I need to need to definitely play more because I like all the ingredients there. Eh, tactics I'm not crazy about. Mm-hmm. But the idea of having permadeath and like having these novel twists on these characters as a way to connect you to the story... <laughs> Saying on cereals getting Mike pinched by this fly in a way I've never seen before. I know why it likes me so Yeah, well, you're the only thing living in that house, so I guess that works. Anyways, Wildermyth. I want to talk about it uh, again in the future. Um, Kyle? Would you like yes. to Would you like to clap on out of here, dude? I, I would love that. Thank you for giving me that option. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. Okay, bye, Kyle. I love you. Bye. Janet Garcia, otherwise known as the new Kyle Hilliard. Welcome to the podcast. What an honor. Yeah. Um, let's see. What's your favorite part about being Kyle, do you think? Um, how much I appreciate gliders in video games, yeah. I think. Yep. Number one thing is loving gliders. You know what I love? 
is people that go over to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends to help support this whole indie operation. Uh, and get a load of this. I know I shouldn't say this right now because it's cursed, but look at this. Hey, Lucas, a fellow patron, wants you to check out his YouTube channel called Fatal X Blade. So head on over to YouTube, type in Fatal X Blade with two spaces, Fatal Space X Space Blade. <laughs> That's so confusing to read out. Anyways, his YouTube channel is primarily focused on highly edited reviews on the newest games. Each review features a short parody at the beginning of each video. Currently, he's working on a review for Assassin's Creed Valhalla while waiting on Aliens Fireteam Elite and Psychonauts 2 to come out at the end of the month. So head on over to check out some of his videos, subscribe to the channel, and drop him a comment. That is Fatal X Blade. Just jump over there and leave him a comment that says thanks for supporting MinMax in a big bad way. Thanks, Lucas. Um, also, also, the wonderful folks at I Am 8-Bit want everybody to know about Dust Biters. There's a Kickstarter going on for this two-player card game called Dust Biters. And I don't know how often you two or anybody here has tried to find like a two-player tabletop game. Surprisingly difficult to find a great two-player tabletop game. This one is really excellent. I know that they're supporting us, but genuinely, I love this game a lot. Like, we went on a big trip to Philadelphia over the weekend and brought it with, because like, well, if we have any downtime, we should play more Dust Biters. Um, it is from a dream team of game developers, people that worked on Genital Jousting, Minute, Nuclear Throne, Sludge Life, Disc Room, High Hell, and they partnered with I Am 8-Bit, and their description is that Dust Biters is a two-player showdown that it's light on rules, but deep in strategy, allowing infinite ways to creatively slip out of tough situations or destroy an opponent or both. There's no math, dice, or tokens to keep track of. Every maneuver and act of sabotage unfolds through Dustbiters' hand-drawn deck of 21 different cars, bikes, and horses. It's basically a, a post-apocalyptic convoy simulator where you're laying out these cards. Each person has their own cards and each card has its own rule about, okay, this can destroy the card in front of it. This one can destroy two cards to the back. So it's a lot of just little card logic as you're traveling through this post-apocalyptic convoy and cars are blowing up left and right. You get the theme, but it's very fun. So you can check that out at dustbiters.com and basically just buy a copy there because it's fantastic. Um, and you can go to iM8Bit's wonderful online store and use the promo code CATFISH, all one word, CATFISH, for 10% off everything on their online store. And Janet, get ready for this. Because iM8Bit is so generous, they ship out a prize each and every week to the MinMax community, whoever has the best question of the week. And this week, they are shipping out Creature in the Well on Nintendo Switch, the physical edition of Creature in the Well. Name another podcast that ships out a physical Switch game. I dare you. Name you, one. You can't. You can't yeah. name one. So thanks That's to awesome. iM8Bit, and you can help support them by going to check out their online stores. So, all right, we're going to remember our favorite question of the week, and that person wins. Creature in the Well. For Nintendo Switch. All right, ready to go, Serial? Yes. Goes a little something like this. Uh, Dudley Kyle Lawhorn writes in and says, Hey, everybody, what are some games that you know are fantastic and want to play desperately, but you just do not have the skill set required to play them? I've been trying for a week now to get through Hollow Knight, but I just don't think my platforming abilities are up to snuff to make any real progress. Brutal. This is about every game, I think, for me. <laughs> I, I really doing the show really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like especially not playing like NES games and Super Nintendo games growing up. I think about it every once in a while, like old NES games. There is just a block in my mind where I assume it is physically impossible for me to beat any old game. Like I have to like save scum my way through something like Mario 3 just to try and seem like a cool gamer person. Am I alone? 
Wow, you really just threw it back there. I was going to say, like, Sekiro or, like, the Dark Souls. But yeah. you're so concerned about not being able to play old games? I mean, it's new it's games, okay. too. It's okay. I guess. It's just okay to let the past die? Is that the lesson it's here? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It wasn't made for you. Thank you. That's the takeaway. It wasn't. Don't feel I, bad. Because I don't give feel up. bad about that. Yeah. And it's fine. Whereas stuff like Sekiro is made for all of us and we should all beat yep. our head against the wall until we beat that final boss. Is that the lesson? I mean, once, once you get the mod that gives you the super easy mode, then yeah, it's made for everybody. Right, and right. A, and that's I a totally so. acceptable way to play it. I feel like for me, I, I tend to like, I know that my biggest example is probably Otter Wilds, uh, which is a game that I play oh, for now. I thought, oh, this is interesting. But I knew I knew what that game was going to look like for me because I'm really impatient. And I think that is a skill that you need to play that game. Uh, so I knew that if I was like in a puzzle where it's like, hey, you have a time limit on how long you can spend on this planet solving this puzzle and B, it's kind of be one of those puzzles where it's like part of the satisfaction is not looking anything up. And like the whole point is putting solving all these puzzles under a time limit. And if you fail, you have to go back to that planet over again. I knew that that was not going to be a thing that I was going to put up with for long. Uh, so as much as like when everyone says like, yeah, Outer Wilds is great, like I will totally trust them on it. I just don't think that. Like, that game requires an amount of patience that I just don't think I have. I love that, I yeah. just can't believe you have the patience for for Ace Attorney. Because all you do is read. I don't have to figure anything out. Is Look, when they add story mode to Outer Wilds, <laughs> I will 100% play it. That's going to be an expansion. <laughs> That's the big expansion uh, content they had. They had a planet that just played, that just does itself, like, solves itself in front of you. That you sounds just read. perfect. That's it. It's a reading planet. Yep. For me, it's competitive shooters is yeah, why I like totally. White Whale right now. But I also like I'm a big believer in like working through something if you want to get like good enough to play it. I, I don't think it's necessary, especially if you're just like a fan of, of games and you can just kind of play whatever you want. But um, given our field, I really try to be able to form an opinion on everything. So I'd like to get into that space. It's just like a lot of work and like it's all twitchy. And then like I got to get a mouse and I don't want to do all that right now. So it's low on my list. But um, yeah, I, I think barring legitimate physical limitations given enough time anyone can get anywhere with any game so you're saying that um my mother could beat the final boss in sekiro going back to an old question okay this is the game plenty of people have beaten that that aren't like pro level gaming athletes or something okay like yeah hanson would it count though okay if she somehow figured like of of her own volition without any outside help right figured out how to mod the game so that the game became super easy to play and then Mm -hmm. implement installed that mod on pc and played through it that way the idea (laughs) this is boy this is going back (laughs) feels like years on this podcast but no the idea that she would She's never played a game in her life. I think she, I handed her a plastic guitar once for rock band Beatles. And I think she like banged on it a little bit. Oh yeah. (laughs) No, but the idea she would have a better chance of beating the final boss in Sekiro than she would of modding the PC build to get an easy. (laughs) I'm just saying, does that count? If she were able to do that, but she'd have a better chance of programming the mod herself. Yeah. This is confusing. I love my mother dearly. She's a wonderful, wonderful person. (laughs) I'm here. Yeah. But she does it all. (laughs) She is very (laughs) impressive. Um, but Janet, I'm with you. Like the same way I feel bad about missing out on like the old platformer skills. I think about it all the time that I didn't play modern warfare when it came out. Like I loved halo one and two. And then I took a break from gaming in a pretty big way, like towards the beginning of college. And I feel like, especially with college 84 with modern warfare, that's where everybody like 
really triple down on their first-person shooter skills. And because I missed that, I have this stupid block in my head that I can never catch up to anybody when it comes to shooters. And that's, you're right, that's not fair. I can do it if I really wanted to, right? We should both just go in and just, like, get good at it for, like, new show plus. Like, one day. Mm-hmm. And stream it, and stream it so I can watch. Okay, yeah, sure. and, and laugh. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> Ian Sweetage writes in and says, Hello, Sarah Podzorski. If you were to pick my question for question of the week, would you like to have this insert name of this week's prize here from our good friends at I am eight bit? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'll take, I'll take the free game. Come on, Ian. That's not cool. Come on. Hey, Sean Mason writes in and says, Hey, CLCs. Uh, last Friday, a new couple moved into the house next door to me. After a few days, I decided to go over and introduce myself, which by the way, Sean, that is a very cool, bold move. Can you imagine, Sarah, you just moved into your house. Can you imagine yeah. doing that move? No. Yeah, it'd no. be impossible. I mean, do you know your neighbors at all? I do, but that's because they have introduced themselves to me. Okay. They are they are all very friendly, and like I don't know how to tell them that I sit in my attic and play video games <laughs> for most of my day. That, that like, when I never interact normal. with you. Okay. Yeah, they're all very normal people. Ah, you can't imagine. Well, hey, Sean uh, introduced himself, and to my surprise, he says, "What did I see when they invited me into their home? An entire mantle decked out in various Halo items." Their shrine, as they called it, had every collector's edition, various Halo action figures, posters, signs, etc. It was truly a sight to dazzle at. So my question is, what is on your video game mantle slash shrine? If you don't have one, what would you put on it? I guess mine is just like the shelf behind me, which is going to be completely out of focus for everybody. Thanks to our cool fancy cameras. But let's see, I have Disney Infinity figures, a bunch of toys I got in Japan... Uh, a coral reef CD-ROM from the early 90s that's uh, sealed. That's about it for me. Does anybody else have a shrine? Have like a I wouldn't call it a shrine. shrine. Well, come on. You gotta have some All the amiibo pride. behind you, Cyril? Yeah, yeah I was looking at those. Does this, does this count, I guess, than this thing? Yeah, my amiibo. <laughs> the amiibo printer sh- collab? It's not you can scan your amiibo on the printer? Because like a shrine honors someone right like it's not honoring any specific thing other than the fact that i spent money on amiibos i guess oh guess that's a good point yeah it's not just you're right it's not just what we have like on our table yeah, it's not it like needs to be like things other than like i guess if you want to come back to it it's like i like all these characters so this is like they're all mini shrines for that for the <laughs> fact that i like these characters but it's like no. it's not in honor of anything it's specific yeah my t-shirt isn't a shrine to every company on it you know like a shrine it, you're right we should be more strict with a shrine it needs to be like honoring one focused thing it's fine this is where we get serious the, yeah. the, this is the mm-hmm. one sticking point um mm-hmm. for me i guess it's this little it's a, it's only a little square so i feel like it's a starter shrine you okay. know um but but my jack and daxter collection where i have uh, all the limited run collector's editions of Jack 1, Jack 2, Jack 3, and Jack X with the little figurines. And then I have all of the... I have the game collection on PS3. I have the games individually on PS2. And from Fan fan Gamer... I was going to say Fan Byte, but that's an outlet. Um, from Fan Gamer, I got the uh, vinyl Ooh. of the soundtrack. And it's like... It has such cool art. Um, and no, I don't have a record player. I'm one of those people that has like vinyls in their record player. But I'm going to get one it's at fine. some point. And then it's going to be this and then the yeah. Frank Ocean album. The only two vinyls I have. <laughs> The listening party is going to be wild, so can't <laughs> wait for that. Uh, I just realized I'm staring literally at a shrine. I'll go get the pieces. Okay, Sarah, you talk about your holy shrine, please. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so what I have, this is show and tell, I have like my first ever Game Boy that I've been carrying around since I was like six. So I have my Game Boy. 
Um, I have like my favorite games. Um, I have a extra large DS that I took from the A4 offices that I'm borrowing. Um, and then I have just like, like here's a ticket to the video game awards. Like here's some tickets to an Undertale concert. Like it's more of a shrine to me actually and how very interesting I am as a person. Um, and then just very collection of pins that I've collected. So yeah, that's that's mine. It's work in progress. Um, so I realized that I accidentally created a shrine uh, to Jurassic Park on the tracks. Um, yeah, on a shelf right over there. So I have got the Barbasol can, stupid Ian Malcolm Funko Pop, which I don't really like Funko Pops, but I think I got that. You don't got it. You're among friends. It's okay. Okay, good. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, let's see. This is I an got... Android family. I got, um, <laughs> let's see, Alan Grant. I have my media pass from preview coverage for Jurassic uh, World Evolution. I have a Universal uh, Studios Jurassic Park thing with my name on it. And then I have an inboxed uh, Ellie Sadler uh, action figure as well. Also this other weird dinosaur thing that I found at a uh, garage sale. So that's Jurassic. what it is, Sean. That's uh, that's how you created Jurassic Park Shrine, is all the good ingredients. And one unrelated thing. That's right. Hey, uh, Robert Key writes in with a similar question. He says, what's your least favorite shrine? Uh, no, he says, hey, Ben and gang, uh, Game Informer Winter 2018 intern Robbie Key here. Hi, Hello, Robbie. Robbie. Uh, he says, I'm extremely blessed and got engaged last week. Quit bragging, Robbie. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. My now fiance and I have been building a house, which will include my very own game room and is the part of our home I admittedly am the most excited about, of course. In your current gaming setups, rooms, etc., what are some things you love about your respective spaces? So forget the shrine business, just gaming spaces. What are some good do's that you'd recommend for other people? Four monitor streaming setup. Um, four monitors. I have four monitors. Uh, it kind of loses its cachet when you find out I share this desk with my boyfriend. But yeah. before you knew that, I sounded like I was, had a very good thing going for me. That's before true. you find out, two of the monitors are his. <laughs> we combined uh, our our desk and like computer parts and stuff. Um, but yeah, I love it. Um, I use one for gameplay, one for Streamlabs OBS, one for Discord, and then one for Chrome and stuff, so I can like see everything. It's very content specific, but I like that element of it. And then um, in the past, it's super and I know some people might get offended because you might live in a space like this, but uh-huh. I think it's very ugly looking. But in the past, I had a living room with two TVs. Right. So me and my boyfriend could console game at the same time. Yeah. And it looks teeth. dumb, but it lo- but it works. And I'm like, you know what? This doesn't look good. And I'm, I'm OK with that today, you know, and, I, and I've seen other couples try to do it. Like I tweeted out like, hey, how do y'all game console game with like your partner? And every iteration is just like a different form of ugly. And I'm right. like, you know what? That's OK. It, it's pretty awesome when you use it. So that, that can be fun. Yeah, I'm jealous. It does seem fun to have like that side by side thing. So you can just play games together and like look over to see where the other person's at. It's kind of like your own personal extra Twitch stream in the house, right? It's just like, oh, I'm going to learn about this other game while I play my game. I think it'd be cool. I'm jealous of your setup. Uh, Sarah, you got a similar deal? I mean, the issue is if you're on like a like a Discord call with somebody else, you can't sit next to them or right. else you'll echo. So it's two two separate offices is what I'm gonna have to do. Like, do not invade my space. Wow. Um, yeah, two separate. Get out of here. Okay. But I don't know. My setup's like not. It's not like what do they call it? Like P- PC master race, like really cool. Um, 
Like, if you, from back, like, from here, it looks really good. But if you saw, like, what I was looking at on my desk, you'd be like, what the hell? Uh-huh. Like, what is wrong with her? I have a bunch of controllers. I have some chapstick. So don't get too hung up on, you know, what it looks like. I also as long have as the same thing. Wow, mm-hmm. everyone's on top of this. Yeah, I don't know. Just make sure it's cozy, Robert. That's yeah. that's the key. And get a good chair. Yeah. That is really all that matters. Don't go for some gaming chair, honestly. Ignore the fact that I'm sitting in one right now. But don't be lured in by that idea. Just get a good, comfy couch more than anything, right? That's what you be, you should be looking for. Or a desk? Well, I think I think he's... Oh, this for is like, like a gaming setup in general. I always yeah. assumed it was like for... Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think he's probably Couches talking about like a full room, probably more of like a living room console gaming type space i would imagine but just make it cozy um let's see manic pixel dream boy writes in hello manic pixel dream boy nice for you to be here uh he says hey everybody i was reading up in the most played oh, i was reading up on the most played video game music on spotify as i recently started getting really into that scene anyway let me tell you i was shook by what i saw i've included the top 10 most played video game songs on spotify what do you believe makes the list not your personal favorites. What do you think are the legit top 10 songs played on Spotify? Whew. These are... Whatever the main Zelda theme is. Can I, I forget the name of it. name my personal favorites anyways? Because um, yeah, let's see. Um, is there actually, anything from Wind Waker? Is there anything from Legend of Zelda Wind Okay, Waker? there is nothing from the entire Zelda series here. No, there's no Nintendo really? on there. Because Nintendo oh, doesn't yeah, put this you're right, you're right, you're right. Well, that's right. They don't give it up. What is it like? Something from Undertale. Undertale that Undertale stuff. Ooh. Oh, Undertale. Ooh. Solid guess, Janet. There is no Undertale in is the top oh. 10. Halo? Wow. Really out Good here. job. Is Halo Sarah, stuff on there. Halo 2 colon Halo, the mm. Mjolnir mix shocked. by Marty O'Donnell. That is number 10. That's at 23 million plays. Did they make a if the 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 Fortnite cover of that one Kanye West song? The the one that we we Chug uh, Jug? Uh, Chug Jug? Chug yeah. Jug? Nah, Chug is like all all in the streets. Like that ain't gonna be on Spotify. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If that were on Spotify, I feel like that would be the number one. I feel like it would be number I one. I wanna as well. see the YouTube. I think rankings. it is on Spotify actually. Oh really? But I don't think For that's this. it's probably not on the list. I bet There's I There's also a lot of covers of stuff. Yeah, I bet the YouTube views are similar. I don't know what like the most listened to video game song on YouTube is, but let's see. There are out of the top ten here, four of them are from one game, which is really interesting. Including the number one song by a mile is from this game. Obviously, huge game. I and I love the soundtrack, but it's like a very Minecraft? Sub- yes. <gasps> yes. The mm. Sweden song from Minecraft, which is just like that starting like dun, 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 dun. like that song is at 77.5 mi- uh mm-hmm. million views or I'm sorry, listens. And it's also number 2. Number 3 is Doom Rip and Tear by Mick Gordon. And then there's some Last of Us in there and Assassin's Creed 2 Ezio's Family is number 9 at 25 mm-hmm. million, but that's absurd. Aww, I'm surprised the OST is in there. I just feel like no one, not to say that the OST isn't good, but I feel like that's not as talked about. Yeah, maybe mm. it was. I think for the older ones in particular, like Ezio's family for Assassin's Creed 2, I think it was definitely the heyday. Whereas now, it seems like people mainly talk about good Assassin's Creed music if it harkens back to Ezio's family in some way. Um, all right, thank you. Uh, Tom Blackburn writes in and asks, what mythologies would you like to see explored in games? Greek and Norse are pretty played out at this point. Yeah, we probably have had our fill for Greek and Norse stuff, right? 
Aztec and Mayan. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. Mexican, so I think that'd be cool. I know there is that one upcoming indie game. Oh, I forget the name of it. But I oh, think Alexa, like the Temple Run? No, 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 no. It's like, I have no idea. I'll like try to Rollins? look for it. And it's if like I find it, people, isn't it? It's by, you know what? The people, it's by the people that made, they made a game right before that that was also based on Mexican lore. And it has to do with like running specifically. And it was kind of a platformer. Yeah. And it wasn't that good. Huh. Mulaka. The people that made Mulaka um, are making another game that is also kind of pulling on that kind of lore. Um, so yeah, I like I enjoy those kind of stories, and I, I mean I as much as I have um, both gameplay and cultural qualms with Wakamele, I thought it was really beautiful when they had like the Arabrijes like as the bosses. I thought that was super cool. Yeah. So I feel like stuff like that would be uh, really fun to explore more. Yeah, it is in this weird spot where I'm kind of in that came, same camp of like, oh, it'd be fun to have yeah more Native American myths and stories worked into games, and like you know being in Minnesota, it's like oh some like Dakota myths or something would be great. But then I think everyone's just like, I don't want to go near that. Like, if we don't have a native development team, like, you can't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Um, Which, obviously, there's a larger conversation about where the world's at with that stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to think, even like, you know, Chinese mythology, I think is cool. But it also, culturally, I feel like falls in this camp of if someone puts, like, Chinese mythology into their game, everyone's like, okay placating china you want to be big in china so that's why you're doing that you know like age mythology they released a new uh uh you know race years ago when they made that version on steam and they added the chinese mythology and that was everybody's take it's like oh there's so many cool mythologies to take to pick from but you went for this one just for the marketability but it's like oh it's still objectively really cool and interesting to learn about i think chinese mythology has had like a few like pretty prominent kind of examples because like the entire dynasty war series takes place in within chinese mythology which is kind of vague but like the the total war game the three kingdoms but it's always what it's like it, it is always interesting games that like are just kind of uh miss me in terms of like okay i want like a specific game that i also am into the structure of the game versus something like oh like the, the total war games are great but like yeah. they're just not for me i would just love to see like someone tackle that like that three kingdoms mythology uh in in like a genre in like an action game genre or something like that something more narrative driven uh but although i will totally cop to the fact that there's probably a, a ton of people who are like yeah the the like the turban the yellow turban rebellion and the three kingdom stuff that is overexposed in games at this point yeah whereas then you know other mythology maybe yeah less chinese history but then you know you think of like journey to the west like that's that's got enough placement throughout the history of video games here yeah. they might have dragon ball games and then enslaved and all that stuff where it's like oh, they're touching on it every once in a while I was really looking forward to In the Valley of the Gods yeah. by yeah. Campo Santo. I was, I had my heart set out for that game because it's based on an archaeologist who finds themselves researching ancient Egypt and you're kind of in like the 1930s, so it is a little vintage and it looked really cool, um, but I don't think it's in production anymore and it just breaks my heart because it yeah. looks so cool. Yeah. Yeah, such I, a I, I, I could see more like I would love to see more of the artifact mythology. I think that'd be really cool since they shifted <laughs> over to they shifted over that team over to Val. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Th- I mean, Egyptian mythology, is that also played out? Like it seems like that's probably where God of War is going next. Because I know they're debating between Norse and Egypt, and they went for Norse, which is great, and obviously it's worked out well for them, but I wonder if now they'd be saving it for the future. And we had Assassin's Creed Origins, like- but there's a difference between 
mythology and just ancient and classical cultures. Right. Whereas I would like to see them lean more into mythology and like gods, goddesses, like old stories, old songs. Like Japan has so many yokai. Like one is just a giant foot that crashes into your house and you're forced to wash it. And it talks. It's a demon. Like I want to see more of that. I think it's a Monty Python sketch. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've seen so many like samurai and like we all know like the historical figures. Maybe not all of us, but like we know the big ones. And I want more like actual mythology like okami style stuff yeah give yeah. me more of that and then like explain it to me also <laughs> Is it, yeah there's also like uh if you remember year walk that early simogo game yeah was based on like i think it was swedish folklore i would love to see more of that stuff of just like here's yes. here's like a bunch of folklore of urban legends that people have come up with over the years and yeah like because i because i love year walk so i'd love to see more stuff of like here's an obscure monster that you didn't know from like that was used to scare kids into not going outside or whatever do you think mm-hmm. that like kentucky road zero does that count as like tapping into american folklore bit, yeah. or is that all there, just kind of some original of there uh but it's like i think part of it is i would love to see what other countries came up with in terms of like here's <laughs> here's basically like the you know like the egyptian version of sasquatch versus like the sun god right like <laughs> i would love i would love to see like more kind <laughs> of smash obscure. bros but with gods exactly. well, that, that's smite well, really right yeah uh but i think we're all with you sir we want to see the Egyptian version of Sasquatch. Why are they so scared to show yeah. it to us? Come on. It's we like think that's a cool. common phrase that people always use. Who is the Sasquatch <laughs> of the Egyptians? <laughs> He's probably less hairy. It's, it's just like a big guy, I guess, because it's very hot there. A tall man. Yeah, he's known as a tall man. Um, Eric writes, writes in, oh, strangely enough, um, and says, Hey, me and Max crew, if you had the chance, no cost involved, technology is even better than where we are today for the sake of comfort, what would you rather do? Go to space or go to the bottom of the deepest ocean? Space. The ocean is too scary. Compared to space? Where human beings are not supposed to be? Space, like you get like the like some cool views. Like people always talk about like seeing the earth from space and how like beautiful it is and like you haven't really like felt your existence and so you've seen Are the you earth just space. us right now janet <laughs> a little bit i get it you know every space trip gets a you know free amazon prime for six months or something. okay yeah sub on twitch i, I would li- even though it's been tainted in by recent events i would still like to go to space <laughs> your school right. space yeah, has been space, tainted space cool. because a couple by of billionaires <laughs> like that's what you're driving to space mm-hmm. i guess they're just letting anybody up here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> The bourgeoisie. It is weird to think. I mean, I guess we're not supposed to be in the deepest ocean either, but just like there's something cool about going to space because, you know, I'm not saying devoid of any higher higher power stuff. I'm just saying it's such a weird idea. The idea of like, we're just going to keep sending ourselves into outer space, a place that by no right should we be in. It is not designed in any way to sustain us, but it's like, screw you. You know what I'm talking about, guys? Like, if we just, yeah. it's just weird it's like that Australia, we go to space. You know, it's like we're not supposed to be here. It is the Australia of the galaxy. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm yeah, with you. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Thanks. See, I mean, deep ocean, it seems cool. I know there's cool stuff down there, but compared to space, yeah, I don't think you're going to. I guess gonna... the ocean has like the hope of maybe there's like a crazy, maybe it's like Subnautica, like IRL or, or something. Like Atlantis. But... Yeah. 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 What if going deep enough into the ocean sends you to space? 
Mm. There's a, there's a wormhole. Serial, we're trying to play out a while. You would know that serial. <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is a serious podcast. We're going to have a serious conversation here, serial. I don't really. <laughs> I'm not on board for these abstract Sorry. concepts that you're throwing out there. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> Egyptian Sasquatch is there. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Adam writes in and he says, Hey, Ben and crew, not a question, but I just wanted to back you up, Ben, and let you know that you're 100% in the right about not wanting subtitles or captions on while you watch things. Don't let them what? gaslight you into thinking you're the crazy one. I'm Thank about you. to you can't write in, girl you can't write in with yourself you to these questions you and then pick your own that. question. <laughs> All right. So wait for the switch. Uh, Adam, thank you for being so generous to me and writing in to tell me that I'm a genius. Turns out I was completely in the wrong here. Uh, we had a Twitter poll after the last episode of the podcast asking just simply captions or no captions. 67.8% said captions, which blew my mind. I am yeah. in the very strong minority here, so... And then you felt compelled to pick the All one right. email that was like... <laughs> I know. Well, I wanted to have a twist. You know, podcasts are all right. about a series right. of reversals, Surreal. Mm -hmm. Talk like about podcasts. That's us. That's right. Yeah, like the podcast started out bad. Now it's good. It's always like a little flip. The you first never... six hours of this podcast are pretty good, <laughs> as long as you don't assume it's supposed to be the tutorial. Right, it's not right. a tutorial. It's a story. <laughs> hey, Interata writes in, Hey, Min Max, uh, everything going on with Abandoned regarding its marketing, the teaser they put on Twitter, being the same in the app, the constant trailer delays, etc., as well as hearing uh, that they have also hyped up other games only for them not to come out, has me wondering, when does Sony need to get involved and come out and say something about this game? So if you don't recall, if you didn't follow this saga, I think we touched on it briefly in the podcast, but there's this uh, game coming out called Abandoned, which is an indie game that Sony was showing off, like they show off a bunch of indie games on the PlayStation blog and all that stuff, and conspiracy theorists slash sleuths on the internet have tried connecting it to Kojima and are convinced that it's the next Kojima game. And then the abandoned developers keep going out there and saying, we're not related to Kojima. This is our own little indie game. But then whoever's on that social media team keeps very much playing into the tease that they are Kojima. I don't know. Sarah, surreal, Janet, what do they do? When does Sony have to get involved? I, Should they just to shut this crap down? I don't think Sony is going to get involved and I don't think that they it's in their best interest to. Yeah, because I think it's not, if if you put out a statement that says like, hey, uh, this game that we promoted recently uh, is has no involvement from Hideo Kojima. Like even even if that's the case, like which is which totally could still be true. And I'm, I'm leaning that way. 100 percent is true. Yeah, it, it is still to some degree, even if they're what they're saying is true, it is still to some degree throwing that developer under a bus of just like it, it still kind of says like, oh, well, then like it is their fault. And then like even if again, even if this is all true and they, they are just trying to kind of settle the record that in some way, I think would still make indie developers kind of be less interested in working with Sony of like something like abandoned could happen to us. But like I totally it's a kind of a weird situation for Sony to be in because the, then if they don't say anything, then it's like Sony's being silent, which means they agree that it's Kojima or whatever, that they don't want to say anything to spoil the surprise. So it is kind of a, a bad situation for Sony. But I do think that I think in it's not in their best interest to comment on it at this point. Yeah. And I don't know how much Kojima himself has said. I don't think he has he made a statement saying like, hey, I'm, I am not involved in this game because I feel like if if something's going to shut it down, I don't think that would. But that would be like. Hey, I just want to go out like Kojima needs to swivel that chair around and say, "Hey guys, no, but seriously, I, this is this ain't me." 
Yeah, I feel oh, I'm trying to remember if he has mentioned it. Maybe I just haven't seen it. Uh, he's busy tweeting. He he's been tweeting important stuff like miss them with a picture of J.J. Abrams and Oscar Isaac. So he's he's pretty busy on Twitter. He doesn't have the time to mention this. Do you think sincerely any other indie team out there is trying to now seed their game with Kojima hints? Because we have talked about abandoned more this year in the gaming space than anybody could have predicted. Like it is absurd that this game is now literally going to get reviewed by outlets when there's no chance would it well it would have probably gotten five percent of the reviews uh if it hadn't have blown up in this way like is it a marketing strategy now from weird indie teams or just to try and i don't know not mislead people but hey internet people if you want to try and put some things together and that gets us attention no harm i think done. it totally would have i mean obviously we, can, we can't live in that alternate world where like none of the drama happens and what the reviews look like but yeah. i think it totally would have gotten reviewed by still a lot of big outlets i think simply because it's playstation 5 exclusive at least timed exclusive yeah and ain't nothing out here you look at that playstation lineup it's looking thin so i think it definitely would have 100 percent gotten reviewed now i do think it's being talked about more than it would have been but again like there was that old saying, like, all press is good press. Right. But then there's the newer saying, uh, no, it's not. I can think of <laughs> 8 million forms. Uh, Activision Blizzard. That's not good press. Right, right. It's not. Yeah. That point blank period. You know, like, I I think, the, and the reason we're talking about it is not like, oh, I wonder what it, I mean, some people were like, I wonder what it is. But more so, it's like, man, this is a team that is, you know, I'm sorry to say, seemingly incapable of getting out the things that they say they're going to get out on the time that they're going to get it out in. And even though a lot of studios are known for like delays and things, and we kind of accept them as part of the industry, like when you can't put out your own trailer, how are you going to get the game made? Like, you know, right. like, and we're watching it because it's like a, a train wreck happening in slow motion that you can then rewind and watch again. And yeah. Yeah, it's a mess. I, I can't imagine anyone's jumping at the bit to like, do that to follow in the, yeah. in the especially since like when i like at this point i don't know how like i can't imagine everyone's like oh man i can't wait for it banded because of all this controversy i think everyone's just kind of like i feel like most people at this point are either mad that it that uh it if it is a kojima game they're mad at them for not like getting that out there and saying just announcing it right and if you don't think it's uh, a kojima game then you're just kind of tired of hearing about it so it's like yeah. there's no one like you're not getting a lot of positive press out of this and i think now is a like because like your engagement with it's not like i have to buy this game in order to find out one way or the other you'll know one way or the other whether or not this is a kojima game without having to pay them money for it so it's like it's not going to help them in the long run yeah we should stop talking about it unless the game's good. Hey, Crab Palace writes in and says, When I was just a little boy, I read about the PlayStation Link cable, which allowed you to connect two PlayStations together. It was so you could play multiplayer on two separate TVs instead of split screen. But I thought it would let you combine games if you put different games <laughs> in each PlayStation. So at school the next day, I raised my hand and proudly told the teacher that if my mom bought me this device, I could play as Spider-Man and Spyro. Immediately, my friend Giorgio told me that if I tried that, it would explode. <laughs> uh, then he asked, uh, when you were a kid, what did you get wrong about games and or the world? Oh, but it's the and or the world. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's one a One or the one. other, really. Yeah. I we need Mythbusters on this whole combining mm -hmm. games thing. That's true. Mythology Busters. Yeah. Does anybody have a good example of like gaming wise, something they didn't understand? This is this is really dumb. Uh, yep. But when i was when i was a, a very small child i think 
three or it was either me or one of my brothers i like the it's such an old story that i i, I feel like i'm blurring it but like i think w- one of us uh broke a super nintendo because they wanted they put food in it because they wanted to see it on the screen they wanted to, they wanted to see the jello or whatever they put uh i think it was either jello or like uh like uh, chopped hot dogs or something, and so they put. You the would think you go into the more cartridge-based food, like a waffle. No, like, yeah, right. no. yeah, naturally, the obvious food you'd plug into a Super Nintendo, a waffle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did it work though? Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it t- I, I thought it meant something when you got things right was the question. So. <laughs> right, <All> right. right. <laughs> yeah, let us know in the comments when you think the most cartridge-like food. Like, if you had to put food in a Super Nintendo, what would you put in there? Because waffle is very good. Like, square Thank waffle. <laughs> I don't think you can top that. It'd be very satisfying <laughs> to mush it down in there. Um, Kyle Silva then replied to Crab Palace's question. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to understand this. Kyle says, I made a similar mistake as a kid. There was an ad for the Lilo and Stitch DVD board game, which is coined as combining the Lilo and Stitch movie with a board game. But stupid me thought they meant combining the Lilo and Stitch DVD with the Stitch exclamation point the movie DVD. So I put both DVDs in at once, hoping to be playing a cool game. But instead, I just jammed our DVD player. That's horrible. Oh, I remembered one. Yeah. Um, when I when the PSP first came out, um, like, and I saw UMDs for the first time. I like wasn't sure how they worked because I guess I never saw any of the, the marketing material where you just put it in yeah. like the whole way, which I guess this is weird. But if you're like, I don't know, younger, or just didn't have a PSP like and didn't see what a UMD is. It's like in these little cases, like these white cases, mm-hmm. but you mm-hmm. put the whole thing in there. And I was right. like, do I, do I open this? Janet, Does anyone know if thing. I open this? Totally. And then I, I, I started opening it. I'm like, it's too much resistance. And I'm like, screw it. Oh, and then when I first got my switch, which this is a very new modern story, I put the straps on backwards in my haste. The day I got it, and then I had to look up on YouTube how to remove Joy-Con straps yes. from opposite. And then I looked at some random video from Australia because they had the console a few hours before me, and they're like, "This is how you do it." And yeah, <laughs> I haven't made the mistake since. I'm totally with you. It's surprisingly hard to get those things back off. You put them on the wrong. Get a little way. like butter knife, and then you just have to. It feels like you're gonna break it, but you just right. kind of can get it off there. But yeah, I made that stupid yeah. mistake, but I did it when I was like six or something with the Switch. So yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Somehow. Uh-huh. Yeah, that takes out. Yep. King Kate Smith, uh, uh, Kate Sith, rather, or Kiet Shathi, whoever you're supposed to pronounce that silly name, um, writes in and says, Serial, do you know who Kate Sith is? Uh, the Final Fantasy character. Okay. Very good. Very good. Um, anyways, uh, hello, Minmax crew. I hope this question finds you all well. But enough with the silly pleasantries. We're all here with one thing on our mind food. In the spirit of the earlier Pokemon discussion, we'll be playing Pokeberry or Humanberry. Which of these berries are from the Pokemon world or from our lame non-Pokemon world, which I'm calling the human world? <laughs> okay. The person with the most points is the lord of all berries in the multiverse. Oh, my God. All right, Ooh. Sarah, look alive. Yeah. Which I is... I think I can actually do this one. <sighs> Hear this? I'm very confident. Good luck. All right, which is the Pokemon berry, Sarah? Citrus berry or gooseberry? Citrus berries, Pokemon berry. Correct. Gooseberry's real, of course. Surreal. Chokeberry or Mago berry? Which is the Pokemon berry? Mago berry? Correct. Maybe it's Mago berry. I don't know, but mm. God, my stomach's rumbling just thinking about a good old fashioned chokeberry right now. <laughs> mm. uh, okay, Janet. 
Lingonberry or Aguavberry? Lingonberry is the Pokemon one. Incorrect. God, oh, you know, Janet. I can't stand it here sometimes. You gotta I get really, a lingonberry. Whenever two of you get it right and then it goes to me, like the pressure is I know. insurmountable. I know, that's tough. You gotta put I'm lingon- mad too, because I well, just keep going. Just no, keep going. At some point you need to eat a waffle with a bunch of lingonberries on it, Janet. You will not regret it. <laughs> I'm so salty. I'm so salty. <laughs> All right. I did the that's fine. The it's fine. The Look, trees and the bears. Everybody it's fine. gets stuff it's wrong. Fine. Everybody gets the stuff wrong. were wasted. Everybody gets stuff wrong. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Okay, Sarah. What were they paying me for? Black yeah. currants or blueberry? Blueberry is the Pokemon one. Correct. All right. Yeah. All right, Cereal. Bring it home. Moranga berry or elderberry? Moranga berry is Pokemon. Yeah. Correct. Way to go. All right. And we're not counting who got some right and who got some wrong. We're all, we're all winners here. No, no one can know. We don't <laughs> no know. one can know. We'll edit it in post. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. What do y'all like for question of the week? What stands out? I like the one where I get the prize. Can I have the prize if I choose the right I'm sorry. That was only that for that Sarah. That was for me specifically. Uh, yeah. That was for me specifically. Yeah. Sarah, by the way, it would be a really ballsy move if you just went to the mat insisting that we should give that person question <laughs> of the week. Absolutely, show. <laughs> no way, no. If you can write in agreeing with Ben. I think people can write in. Ask <laughs> I think those are the same thing. I can write in agreeing with Sarah. Ben's not going to choose that email. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Cereal. Everyone's welcome to write in and agree with me if they want. Um, let's see. I like the mythology one. I liked. Mm-hmm. I like the shrine talk. Uh, Janet, do things stand out for you? I did enjoy the berries that made me all bitter, and I like the um, <laughs> I like the ones you mentioned just because I think um, I think those are the ones we had the longest conversations on. Yeah, I feel like mythology was surprisingly. Mythologies, I like that one. Are we feeling confident in mythology? Mm-hmm. All right, right, there we go. That's Tom Blackburn. Congratulations, you win. I am Eight Bits, a wonderful prize of the Creature in the Well game uh, for Nintendo Switch, and also Sarah does not win it, so it's kind of a what? it's a win win situation. We all gotta do the, what, the Smash Bros. Why you clap. need to point that out, but okay. <laughs> hey, anyways, now it's time for something we like to call "Get a Load of This." Uh, Janet, yeah. zero pressure since you didn't know you were going to be on this podcast until like an hour ago. But do you have anything? It. You have something for "Get a Load of This." All right. Go yes. for it. Get a load of this. Uh, this isn't necessarily new, but it was finished like two months ago, um, barely, on YouTube. There is uh, the Animal Crossing Hamilton crossover where someone made all of Hamilton and Animal Crossing. Oh, my God. And it reached completion two, like two months ago. And I don't know how almost all the videos are still available, despite it being totally the thing Nintendo would take down. Or yeah. the Hamilton people. Either way, like it's double IP issues but it's still there it's under the um youtube channel gk animations um and it's incredibly well made i feel like even if you don't like hamilton it's just something about it's so amusing to watch like i i love it It really captures they do some pretty heavy edits too like they sometimes add in like a little bit extra stuff it's very entertaining is it like does it sound like kk slider singing these songs no that'd be funny too no it's the it's the regular music and everything um but they have like different characters like and this is you know alexander hamilton and then he shows up and some some of them are played by the villagers and some of them are played by like the people animal crossing people but uh yeah i think it's mostly all made in the uh you know harv's island where you can throw all the stuff together so they have things like angelica writing and they put the little it's it's interesting to see how creative they get with the items the limited items you do have in animal crossing to try to recreate the scenes that are being described in the in the musical. Except in this one, Hamilton has the affair with Froggy Chair, 
which I think is a very bold move. Froggy chair is not an Animal Crossing. Impossible. Oh, that's right. Great it's point. Impossible. <laughs> Fact However, I don't analogy. agree with their choice of they made Raymond Hamilton, mm. and I feel like he's more of a burr. So like. Okay. Mm, all right. He's just like my yeah. one critique <laughs> was the casting could have been a little bit better. Yeah, I get it. Um, hey, get a load of this. Um, there's a YouTube channel that I talked about before. Um, it's called Harada's Bar, the producer of Tekken, Harada. Um, and he's had a rotating series of guests. You know, you had Ken Kutaragi, the father of the PlayStation. He's a bunch of great guests, and it's just a laid back cool show. Uh, used to be in the bar. Now, I guess it's just in like Harada's house, I'd imagine, with. Yeah, COVID uh, picking up over there. Um, but his last guest is the best yet, which is Sakurai. The creator of Smash Brothers uh, was on Harada's show. And they're going to roll out more of this interview. But the first video is just like 25 minutes of those two just sitting around. You know, it's a little uncomfortable in the room, but it's like you rarely see just a loose video interview with the creator of Smash Brothers. And he reveals that he doesn't drink water because it makes him physically sick. He says if he drinks a glass of water, it makes him sick. So he only drinks Coke Zero, mm. which is... Not the free ad. <laughs> it's just insane. Like, I cannot imagine. How do you not, like, try and test out maybe some different type of filtered water would work? But if it works for the creator of Smash Brothers, it can work for us. So from here on out, everybody at MinMax will not be drinking water. We're Coke Zero or bust, washing our teeth and brushing our teeth, I should say, in Coke Zero, washing our clothes in Coke Zero. Easy cereal. You've had too much Coke Zero today. Mm, Coke Zero. <laughs> um, also, it's fun in that, uh, you know, they talk a lot about kind of Sakurai being a mysterious figure and Harada basically says everybody in the Japanese industry tells a lot of stories about old creators and good drunken stories about this developer yada 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 but no one really knows anything about sakurai he's just like a black box even in the game development circle in japan which is fascinating um and then sakurai at some point good (laughs) yeah and then at some point sakurai uh says that he doesn't want his face used for memes because they're taking everything out of context so stop making sakurai memes everybody please yeah i think i think that'll get him stopped yeah i think so uh serial you got something yeah, uh, get a load of this. This is maybe a less fun, but uh, Twitter user Jake Friend, uh, who goes by the handle Jake Friend underscore Dev, posted a very interesting thread about uh, indie game contracts and how he had to turn one down that would have been pretty profitable because it had a, basically a ton of clauses that seemed really exploitative. Um, yeah. So things like, you know, they're going to give him, they'd give him an advance, but basically when the game came out, he wouldn't get any revenue from the game until uh, the, the, the people who gave him the money basically got all of their money back first and how like a, a lot of that stuff is weighed so heavily against him that, you know, like they, there are all these breaches of contract that if he uh, breaks contract in any way would give, would basically say like, we take, your game away from you we're gonna have someone else develop it and you have to pay for it uh which is ridiculous and then if if he if they broke if there there are no clauses in there you know uh where if the company breaks contract there's really no clause in there about what what would happen to them uh so it's it's very inside baseball but i think it's the kind of thing that if you're interested at all in in game development to see what uh, these contracts are like. I think it's it's a fascinating that that I think people should read for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. I like this the openness of 
people just being like, hey, here's the details of this contract. Does this make sense to anybody else? Anybody else have this experience? And it seems like a lot of developers yeah. are sharing those types it, of things, it, which is fun. It's an interesting case where you do get to talk about stuff that would otherwise be confidential, but because he didn't sign it, he right. wasn't under NDA to talk. He could talk about the contract, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so That's yeah. cool. Yeah, there's links below for all this uh, good stuff. Sarah, you got something? Uh, get a load of this. Ooh. There is now an Among Us mode in Fortnite, not with partnership with Among Us. Also, Wendy's has an official Discord, and God has forsaken us. <laughs> <laughs> is it public, Great or do you delivery. have to like get a frosty to get access to it, or something? It's a gaming Discord. She has it. I'm in it right now. Actually, I joined. She's got a gaming headset. Oh boy. Is it oh, like yeah. Wendy? The Wendy? What is she? The Wendy. Uh, what she, she streams on Twitch. User She's playing Genshin Wendy. Impact. Is it like a VTuber? Attracts. No. It I looked at it and nobody talks. It's just gameplay. <laughs> That's wow. so stupid. But honestly, if you were on like the Wendy social media team and you were a cool gamer, it's like, well, this is the best case scenario. Like I just get to focus more on games and lean more into this angle. And apparently this corporation thinks that this is the way to market fast food these days so it's a, it works out well for them weird deal um yeah. okay that's cool um wait what was the first thing you mentioned again sarah fortnite has a yeah. new game mode which is a direct rip from among us uh even though they had no previous conversations it's no it's not affiliated with among us the game but there is a bridge there is a deck, there are tasks, and there is an imposter, which is, it's one thing to say it's a ripoff of Mafia, but you just, there's literally a ship in the sky, and you play Among Us in Fortnite. Right, right, and it seems like yeah. the developers of Among Us are getting out there on Twitter like, eh, okay, Epic, all right, I guess we yeah. can't stop you, but a little, a little poor taste, but I mm -hmm. mean, <laughs> that's what Fortnite does well. You know, I don't, I'm trying to remember how much PUBG messaged back when the Battle Royale first started blowing up. Do you remember Serial? Did PUBG ever have any messaging of like, hey, cool it over there, Epic. Stop just stealing our good game modes. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. It was kind of late into PUBG's shelf life. This is uh, maybe like a, a little year. Bit, right? like, I definitely remember hearing about it in the same year. I think PUBG yeah. was early in 2017 and yep. then Fortnite was like maybe September, October of that year. I think, yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So fun times for everybody. Um, we also have a Discord channel. Um, Wendy isn't in there, but it's really cool. You get access to it if you support us on Patreon. Um, and there's a channel where people share little tidbits they learned. Forget a load of this. Um, Mike Lynch shared one, which is uh, from Reddit. Uh, the Reddit just shower thoughts. And if everyone just wants to like sit back and chill and just think about this for a bit, like Surreal, if you could look more chill when I tell you this one. I'd appreciate it. No, like really, like I need you to like relax. No, no, not puffing out your cheeks. Like just look relaxed. Yeah, okay, that's it. You got it. Okay, yep. Get a load of this. Uh, when people talk about traveling to the past, they worry about radically changing the present by doing something small. But barely anyone in the present really thinks that they can radically change the future by doing something small. There you go, everybody. Something weird to think about. Thank you, Mike Lynch, for posting that weird thing and get a load of this. All right. That's it for the show. Um, thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. Um, thanks, everybody, who has continued to donate to our charity drive for Hopewell Music in North Minneapolis to give uh, free music lessons uh, to these kids. Um, as of last week, Hopewell reached out and they said, hey, uh, you and your community has raised enough money 
for nine full scholarships and instrument rentals for kids in North Minneapolis here. And we've continued to grow beyond that. Uh, so you, if, one, if you want to donate to Hopewell Music, you can go to givemn.org slash crossfade. There'll be a link in the description. Givemn.org slash crossfade. Uh, last week, I guess I won't uh, fully out them. They wanted to leave it a little anonymous, but we had the biggest donation I've ever seen in any charity drive we've ever done. And it just melted my soul. It was so unbelievably sweet and generous. So thanks to everybody who's put us well above our goal for the Crossfade charity drive for Hopewell Music, but we can keep going because it's all for a good cause. Um, let's see. Janet, would you like to plug anything? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, the first and only thing I can think of is I am going to be featured in a video game journal. Let me make sure I grab all like the, the link in the name. God, I wish I didn't tweet so much. It takes so long to scroll down. Uh-huh. Hold on. There we go. Okay. So uh, it's like from Lost in Cult and they do um, the series is called Lock On. Uh, this is volume two of their journal. It was like a Kickstarter thing that they promoted like yesterday and it's already funded now. So I'm going to be writing um, a retrospective on Jack and Daxter for the 20th uh, anniversary of the game. Nice. So um, if you're interested, uh, go as soon as you hear this because there's 13 days I think left in the project and some of the elements are uh, selling out. But if you look on Kickstarter, you can just search Lock on Volume 2 Gaming Journal. That should be good enough. I also have it like on my Twitter. Maybe I'll pin it or something just to make it easier for folks. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really fun. And I don't have Volume 1 super close to me, but it's very like artsy. Like it has crazy mm. cool art and like interesting layout design to kind of feed into like the artsiness of it and it's like super dense too and they have like a hardcover issue that's like extra pages and stuff so if you're into that kind of uh stuff i think you'd think uh this is pretty cool looking so give it a glance and if you're interested uh go ahead and back to project cool that sounds great sarah what do you got going on um you can follow me on twitter at sarapods or twitch at sarapods we are actually streaming okami today and i do give fun japanese mythology facts while we play even though the game doesn't really stick to the book, but that's okay. It's for fun anyways. That's right. Uh, and then you're streaming on Minmax's Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Minmax show yes. every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Sweet. Do you know what you're going to be streaming next week? Let me check. <laughs> Something good. It, it was going to be more Row 96, but I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> So I guess I'll figure it out. <laughs> All right, we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah, give us a follow on Twitch, everybody. We'd appreciate it. Uh, we also stream uh, every Thursday, in addition to like New Show Plus, which is also every Tuesday. Um, I'm going to be streaming this Thursday. I'll have a poll for folks in the community on, on Twitter here to try and figure out what I'm going to be streaming exactly. But give us a follow, and you can tune in and interact with us live. Sturiel, you got anything you want to plug, man? Uh, I have an Axiom uh, Verge 2 review going up at Polygon. Oh, nice. Uh, or it, it is already up on Polygon, so you can read that. And... Uh, I think that's everything. Cool. That sounds great. Um, thank you to everybody who supports us over on Patreon, especially everybody that supports us at the $50 tier, otherwise known as the Thank You Crew. So thank you to Fatal X-Blade YouTube channel, State of the Scene Podcast, Joshua Busey, Clemens Zobel, I Am 8-Bit, Zachary Pliggy, Ludwig Roque, Andrew Ukerwitz, Andrew Valla, Beaten O'Brien, Best of the Rest Podcast, Juar Hello, Merco Rico Toreno, Call Me By Your Game Podcast, Mark Seliga, John Higby, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Clint Farley, Drew Orana, Steve Bamdad. Serial, do you know who's next? Jesse Vitale? Whoa. Did I already say them? Maybe I did. Where, where is Jesse Vitale? Anyways, the point is, Starkiller's next, Logan Krause, Purebred number six, Chris, Spider-Dan, Slicknick, Spiral in Your Eyes, Prism Your Legata, and Dan Villone. Thank you so much, everybody. We appreciate it. Be good, have fun. Let's go. Let's go.